0: I invite you to open the word of the Lord this morning to the Gospel of Luke. Gospel of Luke, chapter 6. We're going to be um, looking at the concluding verses of the Sermon on the Plain this morning from Luke, chapter 6. Our text is verse 43 to to 49. Uh, So let's read, The word of the Lord together um, from chapter 6, verse 43 to 49. Let us hear the word of the Lord. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. And the ruin of that house was great. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, as we come now on this day to look to your word, Father, we just humbly pray that you would speak to us. Father, we pray that you would send your spirit upon your word to give it life in our lives. Father, I pray that you would Help us to do a deep search into our own lives on this day. Father, that you would help us to hear Jesus' words as he concludes this sermon. And I pray, Father, that we would leave here trusting in you and more committed to following you and seeking to build our house upon Christ, our rock. It's in his name that we pray these things. Amen. It's a little little bit intimidating preaching a conclusion that Jesus gave. Part of me just wants to read it and say amen, and then we can be done. Um, But we will further look into what Christ is teaching us um, at the end of this sermon that he has been giving out on a plane in the open air to those many many of those that came to him and that came to hear his teaching and to be healed. We know that that was the crowd that Jesus uh, was speaking to. And in, in these concluding verses on this Sermon on the Plain, Jesus is calling on his disciples and he is calling on us to make a decision. He is calling on us to look at our lives with sober assessment. For us to really contemplate and to think about our own lives. To consider what type of fruit in my life am I producing? On what foundation am I seeking to build my life, my thoughts, my actions, all that I do? What am I basing that upon? Verse Twenty, we see that Jesus' primary audience was the disciples, as it says there. It said, and he lifted up his eyes on his disciples in chapter verse uh, 20 of chapter 6. Um, no doubt, the 12 disciples, the apostles, were there, but many other people were likewise there as Jesus was teaching. The introductory verses in verse 17 and follow, it shows us that there were great crowds that were there, a great Multitude of people. Jesus had healed those with diseases. As we saw, he cast out demons from the oppressed. Jesus had compassion. Jesus took time. Jesus healed. Jesus showed love and care. And now, in these concluding verses, he's calling on these same people to make a decision based upon who he is. At that point in their lives, the disciples Jesus was speaking to had to make that decision. So this morning, I pray, uh, as we hear this uh, text before us, that we would have that same weight upon our lives as we hear the word of Christ. The same emphasis that the text is making, I pray that we can feel that same thing as the words of Christ still ring true and speak to us today. Before jumping into these verses, I want to just lay out three responses that we should have from Jesus' word this morning. So kind of three responses, I think, that that we need to have, speaking very generally, even the responses as those that heard Christ on that day. First of all is a call to accept Jesus as your Savior. Jesus is inviting us in these verses to come to Him and to follow after Him to confess that we need a savior and to trust that Jesus came to die for you. If you're here this morning or watching online, just listen to the words of Christ as he lays out this conclusion today. You're going to see that there's two ways to live basically in this text. There's two types of trees, there's two types of houses and Christ is just making the statement here that to live In him, to trust in Christ is to truly have life. It is to have your sins forgiven. It is to be different because of your faith in Christ. And it is to build your life upon a foundation that will stand in the last day. And So I pray today, if you're not trusting in Christ, that you would just listen to these words and that you would see your need for a Savior and to build your life on the rock. Secondly, for the believer, there is a call that we're going to see to grow in Christ's likeness. As we've seen in this sermon, Jesus has said some very strong and difficult things in this sermon on the plain. The the question for you is, will you be obedient to that? Will you continue to do the hard work of sanctification in your life? Will you continue to daily die to yourself, to your own wants and wishes, and to seek to follow the wants and wishes, as it were, of Christ? and his word of instruction to us to commit to living in obedience even when we might not feel like it. I don't know where you are in your walk with Christ this morning. If you're actively following after him or maybe you're sluggish in your walk, maybe you're drifting in your walk with Christ, the response is to hear your Savior calling to you to live as he has instructed us to hear Jesus and to seek after him. And thirdly, and I think this is very important for the believer, is for us to hear Christ's instructions and to be encouraged, to be encouraged in the gospel, to be encouraged in the Christian life and to persevere. Life is difficult, right? There are struggles and it's hard seeking to love those who don't love you. It's hard trying to love and to control Uh, love others and to control your tongue to even love your enemy as the text tells us here and if you're following after christ i pray that you will be encouraged by these words because if you're seeking to do that if you are in christ you're seeking to follow after him you are at peace with god and you are building your life upon a foundation that will last so i pray these words can even be encouraging in that way for us this morning to say, yes, I'm trusting in Christ. I'm seeking, I know I'm not perfect, but I'm seeking to live for him. I pray that Jesus's words will just wash over you and encourage you to persevere in your walk. So let's jump in and look at the two things that um, we see in these verses, two points following after the two sections. First point is this, we're gonna see in verse 43 to 45, that you will produce what you are you will produce what you are. And secondly, in verse 46, uh, through the end, we will see you are called to hear and do. So these two things before us, you will produce what you are and you are called to hear and to do. So first, you will produce what you are. In verse 43 and 44, we see uh, Jesus stating this principle. Basically, each tree is known by its own fruit. And this thought of you're going to produce what you are. It's a general truth that Jesus is stating about our lives, right? So each person is likened to a tree, either a good tree or a bad tree. And Jesus teaches us that we will produce what we are. If you're a good tree, you will produce good fruit. And if you're a bad tree, you will produce bad fruit. And the opposite isn't true. Each tree is known by its own fruit, as verse 44 states. So Jesus says this statement right on the hills of his comment about removing the beam from your own eye before seeking to remove the speck from your brother's eye. This comes right after Jesus' teaching there. And we saw last time the call to self-introspection, right? To consider and deal with our own sin before trying to help someone else deal with their sin. So correcting sin and problems in someone else's life is not wrong, Right From these verses, we are called to do that as followers of Christ, but we're not called to help someone else with their problems if we haven't first addressed our own situation and our own problems. If we first aren't the type of people to humbly realize we have sin that needs to be dealt with. right? We can think of we got to deal with our own stuff before dealing with other people's stuff. Right? We have to be that type of person that is looking introspectively, receiving instruction, confessing sin, and then likewise for that type of person to be someone to help someone else out. It's the hypocrite that walks around with a telephone pole sticking out of their eye, seeking to go over to somebody else and say, you've got a little speck of dust that blew in your eye from the wind. Let me help get that out of your eye. That's not the type of people we are called to be. We're to be the type of people that notice what is going on and deal with our own sin and seek to help others as well. And it's in that context that Jesus says these words. And Jesus is saying, look, the fruit that someone produces will show you what type of person they are. Jesus is warning them against following someone that looks religious and good, but produces bad fruit. Matthew's gospel, in, in this uh, account of Jesus' uh, sermon on the mount, there uh, Matthew really emphasizes and ties this thought closely together with false teachers and false prophets. To so say you will know them by their fruit, and he, he's speaking directly um, to people that teach falsehood, right? That do do not teach the truth about Jesus Christ. He says you'll know them, know them by their fruit. And there, this teaching stresses on how we're to discern between true and false teachers, right? I think that same point is implied here in this passage. It's right on the heels, right, of of the person that comes uh, with the telephone pole and the speck in in their eye. And Jesus says, uh, look, you need to realize you're going to know somebody by their fruit. So that's still here. But I think Luke seeks to let that stand a little bit more on its own. And he lets it sit there so that his audience can contemplate and examine likewise their own life and their own fruit that they are producing. So I think that's, uh, Jesus is here in this sermon, he's kind of using it in that way in our lives to let it sit with us and think, hmm, what type of fruit am I producing in my life? So he pushes this point further at the end of verse 44. So he says there for each tree is known by its own fruit for figs are not gathered from thorn bushes nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. As he let that teaching sit there, he continues on and he kind of drives this home in verse 45 with a, sort of, we can call it secondly, an application, kind of the principle and then the application in verse 45, where he says the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Just a, a, a word on the heart here. In the Bible, the heart applies to more than just emotions, as we see that in Scripture. So when we use heart today, we mainly speak about someone's emotions or feelings, right? If we say, oh, he's all heart, you know, what we're meaning by that is his, his emotions that, that he has. And we contrast that with the head, don't we? With thoughts and judgment like heart and head. But in the Bible, the heart includes all of those things. It's the emotions, it's the will, it's the intellect. It basically refers to your whole self, who you are, your deepest person and being. And so Jesus is saying the good person out of the good treasure of who he is produces good fruit and the evil person out of his treasure of who he is, his evil heart produces bad fruit. And so Jesus is contrasting here, believer and unbeliever. That's what is meant by good and evil. So again, it's not as though Jesus is saying here, do not hear him say, if you have a good heart, if you're a good person, then you're gonna produce good things. But if you're a bad person, more bad than good, then you will produce bad things. That's not what Jesus is teaching. No, we're not saved because of our obedience. We are only saved because of Jesus's obedience and our faith in him. So Jesus is describing the actions of a believer here in these texts. It's a general statement. Believers in Jesus will produce good fruit because they have been changed. They have been made into a new tree, and that new tree will necessarily produce fruit, right? We know this to be true, right? A tree produces what it is. If you can't tell an apple tree from a pear tree, you have to wait and see what fruit it produces, Right? You ever bought a tree before at a store thinking it was one thing, and then you come home and planted it, and lo and behold, it turns out to be another thing? Sometimes it's hard at the beginning to tell what type of tree it is. No one says, hey, this tree produces an apple. I wonder what type of tree it is. No, they say, I'm looking at the tree, the bark, I don't know. I can't, I don't know. We're just going to have to wait and see what it produces. And that is how you tell. And this principle applies in uh, our own life, even as we're considering to follow other teachers. As Matthew brings out in, in his book, those that we follow, you will know them by their fruit, right? Because people can say one thing and do another, and someone who has been changed by the grace of God will live differently, and you will know them. You will know them by their fruit, And I want to say that is also true in our own lives. And I want you to consider this for just a second. Consider in your own life where you have seen obedience, right? Maybe where you have held your tongue where before you would not have held your tongue. May, maybe in your life, if, if somebody had done this to you before, you would have been angry and at their throats before, but now after coming to Christ, you did not do that. Just think about that for a moment. It could be whatever, whatever example, and just consider that that is God's act of grace in your life and for you to be encouraged by that. Because if God has changed you into a tree and you see that fruit, that should be an encouraging thing for us to see God's grace in our lives and to thank God for the work that he is doing in us. Not a, not a prideful sort of way. I'm just saying it's evidence of God's work in our life. And it's evidence that we are a fruit tree of his grace and his changing us. So I think that should encourage us. And so, again, not in a prideful way of look at me, but it's in a way to say, look at what God is doing in my life. Look, look at how I am responding in this way, Lord. Thank you. Thank you that you are at work. I confess it's all you. It's none of me. And so, Lord, I praise you. I praise you for that. And in speaking about fruit, what, what is the fruit that Jesus first mentions? What's the fruit he first mentions in verse 45? It's not surprising, is it? It's the fruit of our speech. It's the fruit of our tongue, right? Fruit is the good works that we produce. And what a main fruit that we produce with our speech, with our tongue. He says, for out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. This is basically, I think of it, of the toothpaste principle. Right when you squeeze a tube of toothpaste what's going to come out whatever you got in there right if it's in there you squeeze it that's what comes out and the same is true of us you squeeze us and whatever is there in that heart is going to come out of our mouths. That's why it's called sanctification, right? We need to be changing because many times we're not focusing on Christ, we're not um, living and seeking and actively being obedient to him and we can get in a spot and you squeeze us and, and not good comes out. We struggle with this, right? We are not perfect, but we are in the process of sanctification and that's what Jesus, is on this level of just saying Christian, non-Christian here. The Bible has a lot to say about how we are to speak, doesn't it? Trusting in Jesus changes everything about us. It works itself out in our lives and especially our speech. God has given us a new heart. He's made us into a new tree, and we are to be about living out that faith. James, the half-brother of Jesus no doubt had this present teaching of Jesus in mind when he wrote about the tongue in James chapter 3. James 3 has a lot to say about the tongue, doesn't it? Listen to just, just a couple verses beginning in verse number 10. James says, and you can hear Jesus here, from the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water, right? And so we see this principle at work. And we not only need to consider this truth in relation to teachers and others that we listen to, but again, as he's saying here, we need to let this truth come to roost in our own lives. Christians are called to speak differently because of who we are in Christ. And this applies to all forms of communication, does it not? Right, those in the New Testament, they didn't have um, all the technology that we have today um, that you can spurt out something and everybody sees it, right? I mean, if you get upset with something and you, you, you get upset, and you say something to somebody, it's kind of confined to that person, but social media, it's kind of everybody gets to see it. Doesn't even matter if you live in the same state. You can, you can all see it. They didn't have that in uh, Jesus' day. I'm sure if they did, that would be included in this, right? Our communication is our speech. It is what we are saying. And so we need to be people who watch how and what we say. Out of the abundance of the heart, we see that fruit in our speech, in our communication. This applies to us in that way. Let us be about following Jesus in this way in our lives. That is a fruit that we are to be producing as his people. So secondly and lastly, we see here, you're called to hear and to do. You're called to hear and to do. Jesus begins his conclusion to this message with a type of warning. It's a piercing question, is it not? So we're going to see in verse 46. Then he moves to contrasts and make this analogy of two types of houses. So let's look at the warning first, and then we'll look at the parable second. So first the warning in verse 46. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Again, many people would have heard this question from Jesus on that day. They were outside, they were on a level place. Many people had been there, right? It's not too hard for us to even think about, those of us that are here today. Imagine that, right? He he was outside at a place, many people came. Jesus healed many, many people were around him. He had compassion, he healed. There were sick people who were healed of their sickness. There were demon-possessed people who walked up to Jesus and had the demon cast out. And you, you can just imagine what, si- what type of excitement there would be in the crowd. right? Jesus would be viewed very highly at this time for what he uh, had done amongst these people. He had had compassion. They were all there out in the open. And Jesus challenges and makes this statement. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? You can't just say you follow Jesus and that not impact your life. You can't just say you are a Christian, yet that not leads you to a changed life. Don't be deceived. A tree is known by its own fruit. Jesus explains this with a parable, a very unforgettable parable in verse forty seven to forty nine. And the main point he is making here is on those who hear and do, and those who hear and do not do. Let's look at, first off, those that hear and do, verse 47, as he states there, everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man who builds, or excuse me, he is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do, you see the hearing and doing, the one that hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. A few things that we need to note about this parable, a few dynamics in this parable, that are at play. First off, you hear the concept of faith and works, don't you? To to pick up and use James's speech, you hear hearing and doing, faith and works. Jesus, uh, excuse me, James is a perfect parallel to Jesus's teaching here. Jesus and James, and the rest of the Bible, for that matter, teaches us that true faith will necessarily produce fruit in our life. And as James states, a faith that has no works is actually a dead faith. True faith is evidenced by true obedience. And so to think that you can come to Jesus and hear what he says, but not live in obedience, is as foolish as building a house right on top of the ground without a foundation. And thinking that you're fine and that you won't be swept away by a 100% chance of a flood that is coming. You know, there is a temptation to come to Jesus like that, to think that mere proximity to his people, to the Bible, will be enough to save you. Jesus is teaching us here that it will not. It will not. Jesus calls us to come to him, believe him, and follow him, to live in obedience to him. There's that dynamics of faith and works in our life. Leads to to a second observation, uh, a dynamic to note in this passage, and that's just that, the foundation, right? The one who comes to Jesus, hears his words and teachings, and does them is like a man who does dug deep he dug and he dug more and he laid the foundation upon the rock the foundation of rock in this parable are the teachings of jesus it's the teachings of jesus and the bible it's what is being spoken about here as the rock notice the contrast of effort Can you see it in in the text? The one who comes, hears, and obeys is like the one who dug. He digs, and he actually digs deeper until he hits that rock. You see that effort that is there. And the one who uh, hears and does not do, he just builds the house right on top of the ground. He just throws it right on the ground, no foundation at all, just right on top, right? Builds it right there, just like I built my chicken coop, right on top of the ground, right? I know it'll be swept away with a big storm if it were to come. Second, builder seems flippant, but the first worked, made effort to find the truth and plant their lives on it. And a very simple yet profound question I place before you, are you building your life on the truth of the Bible? Is Jesus your foundation? Is Jesus your rock that you are seeking to find and to get through everything else in this world to find Jesus and build your life on him build your life on his teachings build your life on the truth claims of the bible are you staking all that you are on the promises of Jesus of who he is and what he came to do or are you listening to something else just encompass it. are you listening to not the bible children and youth and teenagers listening, I especially just impress this truth upon you. What will you seek and desire to live your life upon? Will you hear the words of Jesus here this day that to live your life, to seek, to lay the foundation of Christ and live on him is the foundation that will stand in the end? Be established in your face. Be convinced to say, I want to live upon Jesus. I want to follow the teachings of Jesus and the truth of the Bible and to live with all that I am upon Christ. You'll have a lot of decisions to make, just like all of us in life. Are you going to make those decisions based upon Christ and his word? And Of course, the same thing holds true for All of us here today, young and old alike, are you seeking to live and follow in obedience to Jesus? Let us just hear this warning of the foundation. To live our lives upon Christ, it will stand. This leads to the thought of the flood in the text. It hits both houses, does it not? Same word is used uh, in, in both houses to show this point. The stream broke Against it. It's a a picture of a swelling up of a river that comes and it's going to hit the house. It's going to slam into the walls. It is going to see and expose the foundation. No doubt, this stream coming, it can refer to various trials and situations in life. I I don't think there's any doubt about that. The, the, The streams that come, the situations that we Face. the believer faces many of them many doubts that we face we, we might even uh, face a doubting faith of are the truths of Jesus are they are they true is it real can I stake my lives on uh, my life on these things there are times of despair are there not there are times of just sorrows temptations believer haven't you felt this in your life haven't you seen this in your life and the struggles and the faith and the struggles with persevering that you have. But God always keeps us. He always keeps us and he never leaves us. Haven't you found that to be true in your life? No doubt this flood refers primarily, I think, not just to various trials, but most of all the final Flood and the final judgment that is to come in our lives, and that is the return of Christ to this earth and the final judgment as we stand before our creator is the final outcome. The one who comes to Jesus, who hears his words and does them, when the final judgment comes, that house will not be shaken. It will not be destroyed because it had been well built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Listen, the Bible is clear that a flood of judgment is coming. The world will tell you there's a 0% chance of that flood. The Bible will tell you there is a 100% chance of that flood. Jesus is returning to judge the living and the dead. The life that is built upon the promises of God will stand. To live for Jesus brings salvation. Jesus concludes his sermon with a loud thud. It's the house that is not built upon him. The foundation that is not built upon Jesus and his teachings. The fall will be immediate and the fall will be complete. Jesus, in these verses, in this sermon, he's taught some pretty radical things, hasn't he? He has turned some things on their head. He has called blessed those who give up the things of this world above all to follow after him. Jesus said, that man is blessed. He's called on us not just to love those who love us, Right? Other people do that that aren't affected by Christ and haven't been changed by him. Man, Jesus calls us to love those who hate us. It's right here, isn't it? Jesus teaches us that. Love those. Show love to people that hate you. Speak all things against you. What's our response to be? To give it right back? No, it's to show love. Jesus tells us to love our enemies. Jesus tells us to do good to those who don't care about you. He tells us to be humble. He tells us to be introspective. He tells us to look at our own sin before seeking to help others with theirs. The question is, will you build your life on that? Will you come to Jesus and seek to follow after him, his person, and his work? We are all builders In Jesus' parable, to live is to build. The question is, what are you building your life on? Christ, indeed, is the solid rock. All other ground is sinking sand. Will you join me in prayer? Father, thank you for these words of Christ inspired and recorded for us in Luke's gospel. Father, thank you for showing us the truth. Thank you, Father, for these words that so clearly call us to come to Christ and to seek to live in obedience to him. Father, I pray that you would be at work in the life of anyone who's listening that has not trusted in Christ who is not producing fruit for you. I pray, Father, you would help them to see their need, to confess their sin, that they have sinned against you, they've not kept your instructions, and to realize that that's why Jesus came, to keep them for us, and that he died for us so that we can be forgiven, and that we can begin to build our house on the rock. Lord, would you help those of us who are trusting in you to be encouraged in our faith and established and solidified in seeking to follow you. Father, forgive us where we fall short. We pray for your grace to produce good fruit. It's in Jesus' name we ask it.